Cyril is right. Cyril is always right. It's not because the fabric is adored by the clients that Cyril is right. It's right because it's right. Because it's beautiful. Maybe one day you'll change your taste, Alma. Maybe not. Maybe you have no taste. Maybe I like my own taste. Yes, just enough to get you into trouble. Perhaps I'm looking for trouble. Stop! You cannot be married when you make dresses. I'm certain I was never meant to marry. I'm a confirmed bachelor. I'm incurable. So I think this is the first time. Not only do we have Ben Zook uh, from a new podcast uh, that I co-host, which is one of uh, I don't know, Dave. How many am I up to now? Seventeen. Uh, it's got to be. It's got to be seven. One for every day of the week, right? I think. I think we're going to go past that. I think I'm going to break Oof. the one a day. Uh, so we're happy to have Ben Zook for the first time on the Grand Gesture. Uh, but this is also another first. We're going to talk about a newish release. Not if you're a coastal elite like Dave, because um, I think this has been playing for a couple months. But this just went into wide-ish release. A Phantom yep. Thread from Paul Thomas Anderson, which got uh, from every stupid Oscar expert that i've read surprise uh nominations uh it was a pretty strong contender but i think me and dave wanted to talk about this anyway and i hope uh, ben zook is also enthusiastic about this one because it is a pta joint so uh, i'm looking forward to talking about this uh, just <laughs> average love story this is everyone's <laughs> universal experience we're gonna see here so um <laughs> definitely yeah yep. um all right so we'll I'll give you a brief, uh, even though I'll, I'll probably throw a, a couple clips in. Uh, I don't know uh, how easily digestible this movie is as far as I've not. I didn't actually see a trailer for this, so that should please Ben, who's adamantly that opposed please to see me. that. Please me very much. Um, so all I knew was the sort of vague uh, internet hype that it was going to be a period piece uh, where Daniel Day-Lewis was playing a dressmaker. <clears throat> and that there was a love story element, uh, a muse uh, kind of story that uh, Paul Thomas Anderson was going to tell. And that was it. And, you know, it's actually a pretty simple love story in that regard. We we start with Daniel Day-Lewis as uh, Reynolds Woodcock. And I'll just get I'll get my giggle out there. Uh, great name. It is Best a great name, name in yeah. cinema history. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we we see him briefly, sort of going about his business, and he is at the end of one uh, relationship with what we presume to be a previous muse, and he decides to reset, and he goes out to the country. And our meet cute here uh, is with Alma, a waitress at the time, and <clears throat> I suppose. Uh, Dave, this is how you impress 
all uh, the ladies is with a hearty breakfast with that's them ordering everything order off everything the menu. Everything on the menu. Sure. That's it. Yeah. I mean, they know you have a good appetite that way, right? That's the way to impress them. Is that is that what we're going for? I I guess so. I I, I don't know. <laughs> that, okay, let's start on the very first thing, and it's something I think I'll come back to a lot. So uh, I've talked to Ben uh, quite a bit over the last couple of years podcasting, talking about various movies. And I felt as I was watching this that I couldn't wait to talk with you about this film, Ben, because I was laughing a lot in the theater. Mm-hmm. My wife was laughing oh, a lot. God. My friend was laughing a lot. And the people in the audience, you would get a chuckle that sort of escaped. And then someone would like catch themselves <laughs> like, no, this is you don't laugh at this. This is serious. This is Daniel mm-hmm. Day-Lewis. It's a period <laughs> film. And I had a blast with this, and I think I, I could be totally wrong here, but I was betting that this was a Ben Zook joint as well, and that you were having a good time with this and laughing as much as I was. So yeah, that 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 was very much. Sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. Uh, that was very much my experience. Um, you know, I had to hold my hand over my mouth uh, at one point because I was laughing so hard. And unlike you, uh, I just went to see this, you know, by myself, and it was just me and twenty other senior citizens uh, who had all showed up for what they thought was going to be similar to Victoria and Abdul, I guess. Uh, and they ended up getting this and I, I was laughing so hard. I felt so awkward and bizarre. And, and I'm completely certain that that was the intended uh, effect. Um, yeah. This meat, meat. I know you guys identify the meat cute and everything. Uh, this is pretty significant and unique uh, what's happening here. I love that the movie doesn't, really spell it out for you um initially what what is happening like you're really you're kind of alternating between be, being in in her perspective and his perspective throughout the story um and i think that was that was definitely the right direction to go because when he's initially courting her um you, you know you're definitely uh in her perspective and thinking oh this is going to be some really nice romantic evening and then and then of course <laughs> Leslie Manville walks in and it's like, Oh, we, we just have to take your measurements and everything. Uh, you know, that's an, that's an incredible, uh, reversal, uh, to have. Uh, so yeah, the internet, you know, hype, uh, even a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> so they got it. They got it right this time. Nice. <laughs> what about you, Dave? Did it, uh, live up to previous, I guess, PTA expectations or even just the expectation that was out there that this is, Hey, this is kind of a, weird love story that you're going to get from Anderson. Well, I think it really did live up to the hype amazingly. So, and you mentioned at the beginning of this, all the kind of Oscar pundits being very surprised at the, at the nominations it got. I think they thought it was going to get the silence treatment um, of a year or so ago, where it just came out a little bit too late and not enough people saw it for it to get nominations. But apparently uh, Paul Thomas Anderson has more cachet with the Oscar voters than, uh, than Scorsese does. Uh, but I do really think that this does uh, this does kind of add up to something that I something that I expected as far as quality. But you mentioned the comedy of this movie. Like I've been on record as much as Twitter is on record as saying this is my favorite comedy of the past decade. Like I have not laughed this loud during a movie in years. Like I got looks in the theater. I had people turning around like, what is this insane person who came here alone laughing about smoking a cigar doing the De Niro thing Cape Fear presumably Cape Fear exactly that was as close as I've gotten to that like no cigar but other than that that's a pretty accurate portrayal of me watching this movie and I think that that meet cute is also really interesting given what happens by the end of this movie because 
the way that shot is framed, she is in a position of power. Like he is looking up at her throughout the entire scene and is kind of transfixed uh, at what will become his latest muse. So I really like the way that that is set up because you don't really feel that as you're watching it. Like you do feel like he's very in control, but as you look back at the movie, I think it, it has some pretty interesting things to say about what their relationship will be. Yeah. And I think the whole, I think the whole thing is really about power and, and who is holding power at any given time. And there are a lot of times in this film where, where just that transfer of power is, is uh, can be so subtle uh, and catch you off guard. Um, You know, this, this really long pushing that that Paul Thomas Anderson does during what I guess you would call the proposal scene. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, you know that, that I did not, for whatever reason, I did not expect that was going to be the direction that the film was going to go in. Uh, I thought he would be too stubborn to to give of himself in that way. Uh, and and then same thing with her. Uh, this, you know, she says. Are we giving away too much? I mean, what's the spoiler, uh, you know? Well, we, we've never had rules on this show because we've never done a new release. But uh-huh. uh, I'm going to say we're going to we're gonna spoil the hell out of this because if, okay. you're, if you're interested in Phantom Thread, uh, I'm assuming you've seen it. If you've, you know, if you're able to see it, you're not waiting for the grand gesture to give, take right. your cues. Uh, so yeah. And if, and if you've gotten this far into the episode, we haven't given anything away. So just yeah, pause really and save it and go watch this movie because it is easily one of the best movies of the year. Well, for what it's worth, it, uh, and unfortunately for, for Ben and I, we just did a top 10 list on my other show, War Machine vs. War Horse. Too early. And we did, we did preface it by saying, hey, neither one of us yeah, have said yeah. Phantom, seen Phantom Thread. Uh, I would have had this number one. If yep. if I'd seen it, so poor, that poor Ridley Scott, poor Ridley Scott, uh, his only mention like all uh, all year got the bone. <laughs> yeah, gone. <laughs> I think for me it was the lovers. So uh, I'm sorry to uh, Tracy Letts. That was my number ten. So yeah, I'm gonna go with another. Uh, you're yeah, you're you're no film. longer a, a real A24 uh, fan, <laughs> Michael Denniston. I, I guess you know. I, you know I lost my card. I'm no longer in the club. But so Mike, it's it's nice that as much as we've disagreed this year, we have the same number one movie. That's. That's pretty shocking. You know, I, I, I also feel like I probably lost my cool kid card because it's not a stretch, I think, to go with a PTA film. However, uh, and this oh. is just a mini diversion here out of our format, but I think we'll all sort of enjoy this. Is I was also shocked how high up I sort of have it on my Paul Thomas Anderson filmography. Yeah. Because I don't know if I've – I would probably have to go back to Boogie Nights as far as one that I just enjoyed on pure entertainment value. And I did not expect mm-hmm. that from fam thread. I expected the master, which I, I love the master, right. but yeah. I expected, I guess like what Ben was saying, like the, the senior citizens and the stiff necks, like this is a very serious right. film and we treat it with respect. And I, it's I a think blast. It, I think it probably says a lot about me, but I think I had more fun watching this than I did Boogie Nights. I think to me, this is Paul Thomas Anderson's most fun movie, and I can't wait to rewatch it. Like it's it's probably just because I have a mean sense of humor, and this movie is mean and vindictive and petty and so much fun. I that's what I would say in terms of like you're you're mentioning rewatching it again. Like I couldn't when it was over. I you know felt to myself I would really just love to watch it again right now. Yeah. Uh, I might have a completely different interpretation of of this ending that that comes up. You know if I did. Uh, and, and yeah, in terms of comparing it to, I'm a real, I'm a real Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, fan, uh, not, not in comparison to you, you know, he, I, I feel like I'm maybe too much of a fanboy. Mm. Uh, and so this is kind of, this is actually my number two, 
of of the year. And uh, and I would still rank Master and uh, uh, Magnolia a movie, which hasn't come up yet. I would rank it higher higher than than this. Um, but that's just you know, it's a first viewing and everything, and so it's right. not really not really it's not it's it's not really the type of film that where where the lights are supposed to come up. And they're supposed to rush out, you know, with comment cards and say, "Okay, who, what, what did you think about this? Uh, who was your favorite character?" Uh, David yeah, Fincher said that was the way they previewed Seven, and, and oh, it, like, it went horribly. Uh, so, you know, it's not it's not that type of movie. I'll say Cyril is my favorite character. If I had to answer those those cards <laughs> in this hypothetical situation, great. <laughs> would you like me to ask Alma to leave? No. Why? Well, if you're going to make her a ghost, go ahead and do it, but please don't let her sit around waiting for you. I'm very fond of her. Oh, you're very fond of her, are you? Well, in that case... No, don't turn it on me. I don't want your cloud on my oh, head. Shut up, oh, no, You can shut right up. Don't pick a fight with me. You certainly won't come out alive. I'll go right through you, and it'll be you who ends up on the floor. Understood? Um, all right, so we'll, we'll we'll go back on format a little bit. So the, the meet cute, um, you all discussed it, is to establish a very big breakfast order, and food is going to come up again in this film repeatedly. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, old Mister Woodcock here tried to to look like a Billy badass at the breakfast table and order everything off the menu, and uh, he's gonna have to hold strong. His stomach's gonna have to hold strong throughout the film. So our uh, our breakup uh, is when you know he starts to question um, really her quality and what she's adding to his life. And it's I think as you're watching the film, you feel like that's inevitable. So Ben he mentioned. Uh, perhaps this character, you know, this not going the direction he thought it would because of his stubbornness. And I probably was in that headspace too. Like even when we introduce Alma, I'm thinking like, okay, so this has a clock on it. We're going to mm-hmm. see her uh, be built up as someone who's very important in his life, mm-hmm. uh, is given position of power. And then we're going to watch Daniel Day-Lewis in a, you know, what is, I guess, a modern Daniel Day-Lewis role, crush her and crush the spirit <laughs> out of her and use her mm-hmm. up and throw her away. And it doesn't necessarily go that way. So the breakup here is where you get, uh, you know, the, the power shifts a little bit. Mm. Um, and did Dave, I'll, I'll go to you first. I'm assuming you're a fan of of that particular shift in power. Uh, and going back, are to we the, talking about the mushrooms? Is yeah, that, is that yeah what going we're back to food. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's I think it's pretty fantastic. Like especially because I think if I remember right, it's after the the asparagus scene. Uh, where he kind Very of particular. reads, oh man, <laughs> he really, good God, I, I, this is one of the funniest movies I've seen in a long time. I just thinking about it makes me laugh. But I like that she, she takes that route because I think she knows that getting up in his face is not going to be what switches the power. And it's not just a power switch because she wants it. I think what the movie's trying to say is that she wants this power switch for the moment, but he needs it. He needs to calm down or he's going to run himself ragged and he's going to hurt a lot of people and push everyone away. So I think in a lot of ways, she feels like she's doing this for his own good to kind of calm him down because she knows this is this illness is the only thing 
that's going to slow that's going to slow him down. And I think it's also the first moment in the movie that we really see her power, that she's willing to stand up to this man who can kind of be a monster on a regular basis and go like, OK, I'm going to show you what's what here. I'm going to we're going to sit you down. We're going to calm you down. And she's going to take over for a little while because she knows he actually needs that. Ben, are you in full support of these measures when push comes to shove in a relationship? That's time to go to the poisonous mushrooms. That old, yes, that I mean, old chestnut. My, my <laughs> interpretation it. of it is that they are ultimately, and we're in full on spoiler mode at this yep, point. Um, so definitely don't listen. Um, my interpretation is that they're both really despicable people at heart. Uh, they, they both take their own perspectives and try to project a sort of universal <laughs> type type of uh, treatment for each other. Uh, and, and of course it doesn't work. Uh, you know, Cyril, uh, I, I wonder what her motivation is to, to stay, uh, you, you know, around these people. Maybe it's because she just feels she, you know, she has uh, the upper hand on both of them at a certain point. Uh, <laughs> I think it's also entertaining for her to watch. this uh-huh, tug of yeah. war. Like, I'm just going to let this go down. Like, you know, it's fine. This will be interesting at least. I think Cyril definitely has the, the, she gives off the impression that she's the only adult in the room uh, and enjoys that title. I mean, the job itself is probably annoying to her at various Mm -hmm. points. Um, And I also like that, you know, she's not necessarily, I guess to what Ben just pointed out, uh, Reynolds Woodcock's like lackey, like cold, like robot Mm -hmm. who just fulfills (laughs) his every demand. Uh, she also sometimes deviates from the plan. There's a great scene where uh, <laughs> he comes in um, and is just railing to her uh, about his now wife, about Alma, and basically about the mistake that was made. Um, and he's t- talking about what she brings to the house, which is pretty much nothing but <laughs> like a reminder that there's decay and death all around him because it's like it's killing, it's killing his creativity, it's killing him to have her around. And he's just venting, but you get the impression that Cyril's like, and what would you like me to do about this? Like, just, yeah. <laughs> right. <And> like, <laughs> why are we speaking? Yeah. Um, and she lets him continue and, uh, you know, gives him enough rope to hang himself by not informing him, <laughs> not acknowledging, not coughing, no plight, uh, gentle nudge that, hey, this woman that you're just talking all this shit yeah. about has walked in the room. And he realizes that he realizes that he's like, he's lost he both of up. them. Yeah, um, and I, I love I also, that. There's also another great moment with her where you know she basically tells him, you know, don't come for me. Like she turns into like Omar from The Wire. Like you know, you better not come at me and miss because I'll put you on the ground. And it was such a shocking moment from her because she's so buttoned down in a lot of ways. So for her to just come after her brother like that so calmly was like. Oh, wow. This is not the movie I expected. And this movie is full of moments like that. And I think that's the best thing about it is that from scene to scene, it surprises you. Ben, do you think that uh, Cyril has any love or affection for maybe not on a personal level, but uh, respect, I guess would be a better word for Alma, uh, seeing something of her in Alma as far as someone that uh, will not back down? from Reynolds that will also, as, as Dave said, put him on the ground if need be. I mean, I think she initially likes, uh, likes her. I think she probably liked uh, all of them to some degree because seeing them as basically like, like a victim of, of this kind of circumstance. Uh, but I think at a certain point, I think around the time of 
his uh, first sickness, I think that kind of goes away. I don't really think she, she, I think she kind of understands uh, what ends up happening uh, here. I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm just waiting around like an idiot for you. This was an ambush, Alma. To what purpose? This is not... I know it's not going as I expected. I, I didn't mean these things to come out. I'm sorry, but it was meant to be nice. Well, what did you expect? I wanted time with you. I wanted to have you to myself. You have me all the time. No. What are you talking about? I don't. I, there, there are always people around. And if not, then there's something between us. Something between us? Yes. What? Some... What? Distance. When did this happen? What happened to make you behave like this? Is it because you think I don't need you? I don't. Well, that's very predictable of you. Okay, that uh, that will lead us to our, our grand gesture. And I'm not trying to rush us through it because I do think there's there's definitely a lot to talk about here. But uh, <laughs> to what Ben just said, the grand gesture ends up being uh, the strangest, uh, <laughs> you know, this this romantic poisoning that's happening. This slow dance where obviously Reynolds knows he's figured out that. Yep. Okay, my wife has poisoned me previously. Uh, <laughs> and not only that, but the, the initial poisoning is what gets him to propose to her. Like, coming through yep. that mm-hmm. and having her be mm-hmm. take on the caretaker role um, was, you know, either arousing to him or just a, a feeling of affection, a twisted feeling of affection that once that clicks, he is not only cool with it being repeated, but to what Dave said, uh, he desires it in some way. He desires that, that reset. Um, but unlike the beginning of the film, it's not a reset that he's just doing on his own. Someone else is having a hand in this and they're getting back to a good, a good point in the relationship. Just so, you know, presumably like, uh, the matrix here, it will just happen repeatedly over and over where he's going to tire of her. And then she's going to kick his ass with some, mushrooms uh and he's gonna he's gonna be defenseless again he's gonna feel that caretaker role i i did when i watched it i felt the shift in the audience like when (laughs) when people because it's like the people who uh i got the impression of that were not comfortable with this with this realization were also the last ones to realize that he had realized that's what was going on it's like they were thinking like oh uh this is going to be uh where she murders him not that right. he's going to entertain and be a participant in this dance. And then the the people who were into it, there was like chuckling, not laughing at the film, but that aha moment that like, mm-hmm. oh, this is twisted, but kind of cool and kind of sweet. Right. And I, you know, unfortunately, Ben, I, that was the, I guess, only minor spoiler I had going into this was that uh, I did see some reviews that said this, it, it turns into a strangely sweet film. And mm-hmm. I didn't know what that meant, but, Obviously, in that scene, I'm like, okay, this is what what they were talking about. So this this grand gesture here of him sacrificing his body, maybe just momentarily, but definitely, I think she says you're going to feel like you want to die, but then you'll be fine afterwards. You'll come out better. Yeah, she's for not it. just shaving the mushrooms this time. It's like, what is it? Like a mushroom omelet? You just watch him <laughs> chew down the whole it's thing. A, it's a pretty and long the work. In that is impressive. Maintaining <laughs> eye contact. He's even doing like his own version of like a little airplane for a child to himself. He's like <laughs> swirling the spoon around, and it's like that's right. Uh, yeah, he, they really extend it out. 
Uh, so I'll toss it to our guest first. Ben, does this grand gesture, did it work for you? Did, did you find it as strange and romantic <laughs> as some of the uh, the reviews? Well, I, I mean, you know, <laughs> I didn't, I'm not going to fall into the trap of saying I identified with it uh, because on, honestly, I didn't. Uh, but I will say I was glad that it didn't end up in a circular um, uh, direction plot wise, that it didn't go like the inside Lewin Davis route or whatever, where we where we ended up just having uh, or, or like the notes on a scandal uh, route where we end up having a scene uh, with someone where and it's all going to happen again kind of thing. Um, you know, that would have been that would have been a cop out and that would have been, um, you know, not the right choice here. And And so I was glad that it ended in a way that felt like a sort of damnation for both of them is, is my interpretation. And and I know you're saying that ends up sweet. Uh, You know, I think, I think these two people deserve each other and and I don't think that's a good thing. I don't think that's (laughs) a good thing for for either of them. It's good that they're not with anyone else. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. Except for that one guy and he kind of deserves it too. Uh, So, you know, yeah. What about you, Dave? I mean, other than the fact that you're taking these, as Ben said, two despicable pe- people off the market and then matching them with, you know, arming them against each other as opposed to some other innocent. Did you find anything sweet, romantic about this great oh, gesture? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I do think it's it's a really romantic gesture. And I think what really sells it is the realization that he knows what's going on here. And you guys brought up the the trailer and the fact that you hadn't seen it before. And I think this trailer is kind of a masterclass in how you mislead people because he has that line near the end, kiss me, my girl, before I'm sick. Uh, and in the trailer, it feels like ultra romantic like period piece costume drama like i'm going to be sick if i don't have Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. uh and i love the way they play this here where all of a sudden it's like no no (laughs) kiss me before i'm sick because i'm about to throw up these poisonous mushrooms that you just fed me and yet it still works in a romantic way like i think i'm fully on board with this relationship like (laughs) should they be with other people should they be with normal people absolutely not but these two damaged demented despicable people have found one another and it's really sweet i think it really works look i mean i i I think it's incredibly sweet i i enjoy that paul thomas anderson uh is not afraid of some potty humor especially to end this this you know epic love story of his i mean you you kind of end the movie with them in the bathroom, like her cradling him and him (laughs) on the toilet uh and him basically like yeah, you probably want to leave the room, you know, for now, because yeah. now, now it's time for me to. Everything's just going to come out. Gross. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> you know, every orifice here. Uh, and thank you, I love you, sweetheart, for this. Um, yep. I I thought it was really cool. I, I thought it was a, it was a cool movie, and I would not have expected that. As I said, that was my that was my bias against the the period setting, uh, a dressmaker that we would get down into the mucky muck with these, these two characters. And I thought it was, you know, there've been a lot of films like, uh, Dave, you were a fan of it and I'm not, you know, not picking on you, not want to pick on again, but like mother was a film mm-hmm. I, I really did not like. And that's, mm-hmm. that was also another director, uh, tackling the creative process and maybe right. putting himself as a character in the film as far as, and, and being extremely negative as far as what that creative process is like and having personal right. relationships. This one worked for me. I, I don't know if well, I need the Paul toilet Anderson humor. is a little more subtle than Aronofsky. I think. I think. I don't think anyone would fight you on that. A like, lot of. I think so. a lot. I think I'm going to be able to name 
I can probably name a hundred directors. They're probably a little more subtle yeah, than Aronofsky. I agree. Um, yeah, absolutely. Did any of did any of that uh, work for you? Uh, as far as because normally that gets on my nerves. Normally, I don't really want to see filmmakers, uh, you know, make the the main subject matter the creative process. Like I would rather them just just tell a story. Now, I don't really want them to be extremely navel gazing, and I, this one right. does avoid it. Even though you can definitely yeah. tell that it's, I think, I think that's the key, and I think that's that's why this is this is such a great movie is the fact that it is about the creative process, and you know, like Mother, we see the creative process from the perspective of the creator and the person that is just horrifyingly along for the ride. But I think our main character here, our main female character, has a lot more to do, and she has a lot more depth than the character in Mother, because you know the characters in Mother are designed to be broad and these characters are not these are designed i think to be real people and i think that's why it's so much more effective because there there's a part of the movie that's about the creative process but it's not entirely about the creative process these are fully three-dimensional characters and people we care about even if they are kind of messed up i think i think it works because he doesn't put woodcock on a pedestal and yeah that is kind of an odd right. thing to say uh but yeah he doesn't <laughs> put, put the woodcock on a pedestal, on a pedestal. <laughs> he isn't like approaching it from this idea of oh we have to have so much revenance um you know for this creative genius guy he's actually kind of really criticizing um the revenance that people have uh you know for people like this look at how many times woodcock uh, gets away with doing something just completely um, despicable and dumb. He, you know, when when they take off the dress from his financier, you know, you know, she paid for it. She paid for that dress. Let her sleep in it. Uh, well, what does it matter? Disrespectful. Uh, <laughs> the board game scene and the, all the food scenes. Like he is vicious, and he is not a character you're looking to like. Oh well, this is our our symbol of morality for the film. And I, I don't, th- I, I doubt very much that Paul Thomas Anderson sees a lot of himself in Woodcock, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong on that. Uh, maybe, maybe this is a, a confession uh, of sorts. I bet he does. Uh, <laughs> I bet he knows he's an asshole when he creates. <laughs> I bet he's known geniuses like this who, who are, because that was, that was always my interpretation of the master as well, that, that it's about, it's a, again, another tug of war between two very, you know, powerful uh, characters who are trying to kind of assert authority over each other in a way uh, with very different, you know, um, uh, uh, methods. Uh, one completely crazy, one, you know, tr- trying to be very sober and, and very uh, concise uh, and everything. And then you end up asking yourself, you know, who was who was the actual master and the master? Uh, that's always been my, you know, thoughts. Uh, and so somewhat of a, th- a similar dynamic here. Um, yep. And we haven't we haven't even talked about the the Oedipus connection, which I guess makes it all the more uh, the ending all the more sweeter for you guys. Uh, but, uh, you know, that that what is an interesting trying to element. say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> but Oedipus, Oedipus, the the the, the mother uh, in this movie uh, who appears uh, when when Day Lewis is, is sick the first time, um, you know, obviously there is some sort of compulsion for Woodcock uh, to want to sleep with his mother. Uh, and same thing with the, I mean, the, the you know, the, the first time the the, Jesus well, you know, Christ. the photo of the mother comes up in the beginning when yes. when he's first, you know, romanticizing uh, Alma. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's an obvious, obvious theme uh, going, you know, going throughout the movie. Well, I mean, yeah, and he does, you know, he wants to be taken care of as well. He does, mm-hmm. he does want yep. to be treated like a child at various points. And then, 
uh, is either angry at you know his his lover, his wife in this case, uh, even Cyril at times for treating him like a child, a spoiled baby, um, and reacting negatively and becoming stronger and then weakened again. I I don't know. Maybe it's a you know uh, maybe it's not specific to Paul Thomas Anderson. Maybe it's just uh, most men in general how they they treat uh, women and baby. their partners. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to touch what uh, Ben just accused me of as far as, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I will I'm say away. as far as identifying with uh, Reynolds Woodcock here, um, I don't think that I initially, uh, had much problem with how Alma buttered her toast. Uh, but when they're on their uh, honeymoon and she's oh, chewing man. loudly and uh, yep. it, it totally clicked with me there where he's like clenching his jaw. I was totally on his side. Like, all right, <laughs> I gave you the toast and now, right. now I get it. Now this yep. is, this has got to go. And Daniel Day Lewis is so great in, in those scenes without, without even a single word uttered. Like you, you feel every inch of that annoyance. Like it is real and palpable on the screen. The we thing- brought it up. All, we, uh, we, uh, sorry, we brought it up already. But but, you know, that asparagus say, scene is, is my favorite in, in, you know, in the whole movie. Um, and, you know, this just, you know, he really puts you in Woodcock's perspective of, of you know, she made the asparagus with butter instead of instead How of oil. How could she <laughs> knowingly she knowingly did this? <laughs> I mean, I did admire his uh, gallantry. Is that what he said? Oh, that's such a great line. <laughs> I'm admiring my own gallantry for eating this. Like, wow. Maybe the line of the year right there. That was when I had to put my hand over my over my mouth because I just couldn't. Yep. I and, and people were starting to look at me and I felt weird. So <laughs> just own it. Just own it, man. Be like me. Just yeah, I really, I really admired yeah. that about the film because I think people now are accustomed to Daniel Day-Lewis, even when he's playing – you know, gangs of New York or there will be blood mean and cruel. He's still like a cool character. It's like, he's the villain you'd want to be like putting people in their place. But here, you know, seeing, I mean, and and tantrums were thrown and there'll be blood. Sure. (laughs) But you know, it's, it's, it's talking about oil and land. And it's like, you know, this is his, uh, it's his wealth. You know, this is, he's going to set himself up for life and all this, uh, <laughs> you know, when you transfer that uh, antagonism and that anger, all of that rage to the way his asparagus were pre- was prepared, <laughs> it has to be more comedic. And that's what my audience was just so like, good. just afraid to like laugh at yeah, Daniel Day Lewis yeah. for just throwing mm-hmm. a temper tantrum. And I just, I loved it. Loved every bit of this yep. film. Can't wait yep. to see it again. I wish, you know, that I had the opportunity to see it again before I podcast on it. Like this is the type right. of movie that I feel like I should have a few rounds with under my belt before I talk about it. So, uh, thanks listeners for getting the novice approach from me because <laughs> I did not, but, uh, I don't feel like I need another viewing. So you got the expert approach from me and the novice from Mike. So it's good enough. I can't, I can't wait to watch it again. I really yeah, can't. So. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so oh, yeah. oh, um, oh, go ahead. we, uh, there's, can we do one more thing? <laughs> Well, I think that's a uh, that's a PTA thing, right? Isn't that from Boogie Nights? Yeah, one more thing, one more thing. Long way down. Uh, there we go. Deniston, you're you're a huge Hitchcock fan, so you must have noticed the the um, the the use of the very famous uh, shot of uh, that he took from Psycho, uh, where where Woodcock here is looking through the uh, people. Um, you know, during one of the uh, costuming sessions or whatever. Uh, and I thought that must have been very deliberate um, because, because you know, it, it, we all know what Hitchcock's whole relationship with his leading ladies was like. And it's very similar to what Woodcock is doing here with Alma. 
Yeah, unlike uh, Psycho, uh, not a titillating moment. He's I, th- <laughs> I keep going back to it. I believe he is mid tantrum at that point. And is, yeah, <laughs> please. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she has a great look in that moment where she's like playing totally to him, like through the the peephole as she mm-hmm. like does the like one last turn. Uh, that strangely sweet, Ben. I don't know. Call me call me a freak. Accuse me of wanting to have sex with my mother. I thought it was strangely <laughs> sweet all around. The whole movie. It's a grand <laughs> romance. Thank you for listening to The Grand Gesture. Also, thank you to our guest, Ben Sook. I hope you check out our very new podcast, and I do mean new as in the same day this episode goes up. Our very first episode of 99 from 99 releases. So go check that out on followingfilms.com. You can follow the podcast on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at 99 from 99. We will be delivering, as the title says, 99 episodes on films from 1999, which happens to be my favorite year in film and very formative year for me. Really fell in love with films such as Magnolia, which will make that list. Sorry, Ben, for the spoiler there. If you'd like to follow this show, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Grand Gesture Pod. And if you do, you'll be made aware as soon as possible, usually by Dave, on what's coming up on the podcast, as in our very next episode on Excalibur. Switching gears just a little bit, but still great costumes, presumably. Not quite as beautiful, mostly sweaty dudes in armor, such as Patrick Stewart and Liam Neeson, so not all bad. Definitely check that out. You'll get it first to your pod player of choice if you were subscribed through iTunes, Podbean, wherever you find our podcasts. We really do appreciate it, and uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. So let's turn it over, as we always should, to Reynolds Woodcock. God, what a great name. What's he doing? There's tea for you. Don't put the tray on the table, please. Just take it off. I didn't ask for tea. No, but... Take it out, please. Yes, I can take it out. It's a bit late now, isn't it? I'm taking it out. Yeah, but it's a bit late now, isn't it? But I'm taking it out. The tea is going out. The interruption is staying right here with me.